0: Hi there, welcome to another Ahula Stepper, this week with Dak himself, Pakahontis, Jeremy Paxman. Now this one was recorded uh, one week after I had had an orchidectomy, that's right, um, my ball had been removed and yet I still came out of my sickbed to record this for you. Am I a hero? I don't like to use the word hero, I'd like you to use the word hero because I'm a hero for doing this for you. Um, and, uh, you know, given the temperament of the guest and the host, you would think that uh, maybe it was the guest who'd had a testicle removed, but th- that's, just, that's just me. So um, I hope you're enjoying these, and uh, they should continue as long as I can. I'm feeling very well and um, got a bit more treatment to come, but uh, I think I'm basically all right, kids. Um, and I will be back doing all the Twitch channel stuff as soon as I can. Twitch of Fun will return pretty soon, maybe this week, maybe next. We'll see how I'm feeling. And uh, Snooker should be back soon. And even Stone Clearing. Who knows? Maybe I will clear some stones at some point. Um, head to com slash badges to become a monthly badger. You get lots of extras. You help us make more content. You can buy books and downloads there as uh, Go Faster Stripe as well, if you wish. Um and uh just keep on enjoying the podcast if you can listen to them with the adverts that is very helpful if you can just spread the word to your friends about this amazing interview with grumpy pack a lack a dack dick uh, i love him jeremy paxman sit back and relaxman with jeremy paxman on Raha la sta pa sorry about the wavy background there was nothing i could do it's i'm living in a world of static Please welcome a man, he's back from the dead, it's Richard Herring. Hello, welcome to another episode of Richard Herring's Left Side Testicle Podcast. <laughs> I, was, um, I was hanging out with the incredible staff at the Lister Hospital in Stevenage. I never knew I'd be so grateful to people who would semi-castrate me, but I really am. Uh, they call it Rahalastaba. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, as you may have gathered from last week's show, uh, I told a total stranger about my testicles, uh, as the first thing I said to her. Um, I, uh, I did have a, a ball removed last Wednesday. It's a week. I've been a week of being a a monoball, a uniball. I'm trying to get sponsorship from uniball. I don't know if they will go with that. Um, I've had a week in bed. Um, I've had no children, no childcare, no schooling. Been watching TV, playing video games, having all my food brought to me for a week. It's the best holiday I've had in six years. It's absolutely worth a testicle that that week. I'm telling you, I'm considering just taking the other one off so I can make this a fortnight. Uh, we will see. Um, I, um, uh, I mean, that will there'll be more about this as we go on. I'm not going to talk about it too much tonight. Uh, but uh, I got uh, there. You go. That's that's a nice graphic of that. I uh, got uh, some jock straps delivered this week because I need support for my uh, testicles and uh, they arrived uh, there were three of them they were the wrong size but it was all right they made they made them extra extra large and it, I needed that even with even with a, th- a third of my genitalia gone I still needed that uh, uh, but they gave me some free gifts which included a pair of ankle socks and some despicable me stickers that I hadn't asked for were just in the box I don't know whether that's just a service the jockstrap people do. That's my bum there, by the way, in the picture. That is me. It's a picture of no, how not. I look. <laughs> so that's a good emergency question coming up. What's the uh, what's the weirdest thing that uh, you've been sent by accident or that you didn't ask for? Um, and uh, uh, my my favourite thing my daughter's done this week is uh, she... Uh, oh, no, there's, that's some balls. More balls, balls. That's balls. Let's see if I've got it. Oh, no, I haven't got the picture. Um, I'll do this one. Amazon uh, have uh, got into trouble because their new logo apparently looks too much like a Hitler moustache. Because Hitler famously had a blue moustache, which with all kind of you can see from the picture next to Hitler there. It's exactly the same as the blue and with all bumpy stuff uh, at the bottom. Um, so they've changed that. I mean, I think because I, I, people complained that they reminded them Hitler. Uh, and it's now a sort of pla- a sticker coming off a box. But that reminds me of Dr. Harold Shipman uh, putting a plaster on someone, taking it off and then smiling while he's doing it. So Amazon are going to have to change it. It's nothing like Hitler, terrible people. Uh, and, yeah, my daughter um, has started calling The Incredible Hulk, but she calls it The Credible Hulk, which I quite like. Uh, and I think uh, that I prefer to watch that. Uh, just a believable Hulk. It's sort of blue-faringo, not green uh, if he, he can't jump off the top of a roof because he'll break his legs, I, I think it's a good idea. So we'll see how that goes on. Uh, we're about to find out whether my interviewing power came from my right testicle. Uh, hopefully it didn't. Uh, I don't want to laugh too much today because that, if I sneeze or laugh, that's it still hurts down here. They, they go in through the abdomen, by the way, so it's it's not as bad as you might think. Let's introduce my guest this week. Uh, his. Oh my! My wife also lost a tooth this week, so so we. It's been quite. And my daughter lost a tooth, but that's not so bad. Uh, but I, I'm sure my wife was trying to steal focus from me. So she was my nurse, but then she was in too much pain and had to go and have her tooth pulled out. We're having a terrible time. We're getting old, getting very old. At least I hope we will. Anyway, my guest this week, uh, is probably best known for being the fishing editor of Esquire magazine, and appearing as himself in The Gay Daleks. That is why we're here. It is. It's dak himself. It's Jeremy Paxman, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. He's not quite in frame. Which way am I? That way? That
1: one? Hello. How are you doing? I'm very, very well, thank you very much. I've just worked out where the camera is, roughly. Good.
0: (laughs) As long as you stay there. You look like a giant We've had a lot of fun setting this one up. Uh, I'm predicting things will go wrong, uh, but in the technical I should have thought so. What yeah, I wanted but, to know uh, was:
1: Do you? Is there a ball fairy that comes along if you lose your ball and you get a you get a shilling or something?
0: I asked the exact, exact same question last week, Alan. I didn't. I didn't get to keep it because they have to take it away and find out what's wrong with it. I was very keen. I'm on Taskmaster, which is a Channel Four show. I don't know if you're aware of, and you have to. Bring oh yeah, watch it quite
1: religiously, actually.
0: Yeah. Well, I was. I won the spoiler alert. I won the series I was in, so I'm going to do champion of champions if I'm well enough and. Uh, I, that would be a good prize, wouldn't it, to so the first round prize? If you brought in your your own testicle, I'd give my right bollock to to win Taskmaster. I, I was I tried to come up. I wanted to do like a joke, like just as I was going under anaesthetic, but it didn't seem appropriate. I was going to say something. I'd give my right bollock not to have to go through this or something like that, but it just never quite felt. Yeah, yeah, never felt just as well
1: you didn't use it.
0: <laughs> It'll be in the sh- in the inevitable show and book and the the and podcast one pod podcast I've got. The problem is, the doctor told me all this stuff, and my mind's already racing going, Oh, great, I can do this, I can do that. You know, as a comedian, you're just always looking out for uh, for what comes next. Um, do desperate. you remember being in the Gay Daleks, Jeremy? Do you remember your appearance in Gay Daleks? Uh, I don't, don't remember,
1: remember that, that but I, I'm yeah. willing to concede it happened.
0: I think it was just a voice. Voice. You wouldn't be allowed to do that now, these days, Jeremy. It's 2003. No, no
1: at least i do not expect people to believe that a, a male model's bum in a jock strap is mine
0: well it was mine i can show you again. i'm wearing i'm wearing a jock strap now i can show you the it real thing maybe a jock
1: yes it'll be horrible <laughs> i don't think we want to see that thank you very much
0: you probably don't want to see it um, well it's lovely to have you on we've well, met three nice times you to ask me no well it's lovely to have you we've, we've met three times before I was on, we were trying to work it out before, we were, I was on Newsnight, I think, discussing offence in comedy, that's usually what happens, I was on an election special, uh, where you talked to us very briefly, it was Steve Punt, Rebecca Front and me, and I I did question why I'd been booked as part of that triumvirate, whether they just thought we can't find someone with their name that rhymes, but we'll get the next best thing. Uh, but my first meeting with you, you won't remember, I was in 1995, uh, in a lift in BBC TV Centre, and I, I before we were on TV just going in for one of our first meetings and I stood next to you and I touched your briefcase with my hand and you didn't even see me. So there you go. So, I'm, our I'm beginning
1: to think this is not an advised appearance.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say about you that you don't suffer fools gladly, so the next hour is going to be yeah quite interesting. Get on with it, you dolt. <laughs> you can't be rude to me. You're the, I'm not your – I'm the interviewer. You've got to be – We'll we'll get into we'll get into some stuff. It'll be fine. Um, I've been listening to your uh, audio book this week. I've got through the whole thing, twelve hours. You reading your own audio book, which is of your autobiography, that one. Oh yes, which is from a few years ago. But it's a very, I very much enjoyed it. I'm very glad you read it yourself. Well,
1: I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, uh, I think yeah, I, What I liked about it is. Uh, You've got a very understated humour. I quite like the jokes. You, you throw the jokes away, and that, I like that. There's a joke where you uh, are driving to Tipperary, and you say it was a long way, but it's a, th- it's a throwaway joke. It's very good. Um, I love the. I like that. Uh, it's it's interesting to hear you being uh, honest in a way that I suppose you couldn't be when you were working for the BBC and when you were on the, the news programmes. So the the chapters about uh, Northern Ireland, for example. Where you actually sort of give your opinion about who's in the right and who's in the wrong in in Ireland, which is quite unusual to hear that, but it's quite actually quite refreshing to hear someone just give their honest opinion, which we don't really. I would go, we don't get the BBC, but you don't you increasingly don't get it anywhere really. Do you think? Cause no, it's very rare someone goes. You talk about um, how most uh, uprisings the. The people doing the fighting are doing so because that's their last resort, because they've been driven to it. And you're sort of sympathetic to the. To the, the non-UK side, I guess, the more than than you would have been on, on the BBC. Was that refreshing for you to be able Keep to digging talk like that? this
1: hole? I'm enjoying it.
0: I'm not. It's not I'm not digging a hole. Uh, this is It's. I'm digging a hole for you, if anyone. Um, is that uh, did you enjoy that with the book that you were allowed to sort of finally sort of state opinions rather than.
1: I suppose so. It's yes, outlined. but I mean, I, I, you know, if we were having a conversation, that, that, that's the reason I want to do this podcast thing. Is because, <laughs> you know, if you have a conversation, you've got to be yourself. You can't be anything else. Sure. And that's the same with the same with the book. If you're writing it in the first person, you've got to be frank. Yeah. And I can't see any point in in hiding your light under a bushel.
0: But you wouldn't have been able, if you were still like employed at the BBC. You presumably you wouldn't have felt you could have written that book. You had to wait till it was till you sort of moved on. Do you think, or would you? I still... don't know. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Um, and also early on the, um, I think the the stuff about you being at boarding school is very interesting, uh, which is a life that I did not have, and I think most people don't have but that most people who um, are rulers have had uh, and you didn't have a great time at school. No, I but, didn't like uh, it. No, but do you think that's doing it? It sort of felt to me, it's sort of not for you. I think it worked out quite well for you as a personality in what job you chose. But given that most of our, the government sort of went through that similar experience of fags and, uh, you know, weird rules and, being away from their parents when they're kids, um do you think that sort of explains <laughs> the, I just sort of wonder if those people are equipped to rule us when they and to lead us when they haven't really when they've sort of had this experience in childhood where love has been sort of not taken away from them but certainly it's a, it's an odd experience isn't it
1: I don't really buy that argument I don't think it's true that all our rulers are from that sort of background if you if you think about the people who we've had we've had who have we had? We've had Blair, Gordon Brown, Cameron. Of course, was one of those. Yeah, but um, well, more Bo- recently, I think. But you know, Rishi Sunak, I suppose, Chancellor of the Exchequer. Well, Secretary. nearly.
0: They're all from Eton now, aren't they? That's the. Well, Rishi Sunak
1: was at Winchester, wasn't
0: he? Well, you know, it's all the same to the to us plebs. It's all the. It's all. The oh, same do you deal. research,
1: you lazy bastard? <laughs> I
0: don't I'm saying, I'm saying. Generally speaking, they were all uh, public school educated people. But a lot of them are from Eton.
1: Oh, you're I didn't have
0: to research Rishi Sunak when I was got Jeremy Paxman. I've been, I've listened to your whole book. Who else d- You wouldn't have done that. You didn't do that when I came on Newsday.
1: What you want the whole book <laughs> reciting to you?
0: No, I've, I've I've had it all recited to me. I, lo- I love the fact that you do, I love having the author reading the book. Right, I think that's really great. Uh, you, you're a good performer we're just getting your ear at the moment, Jeremy. <laughs> oh,
1: <are you? laughs> right. Good. Yeah. Well, it's I'll, like talking to my dad. i back like a drunk in
0: the pub. Um, and um, is there anyone uh, you, is there anyone from the past before audiobooks who you would like to hear reading their own audiobook? That's one of my emergency questions. So Let's bring one out quickly. Um, God, you must be desperate. Like, must be desperate. You must be. Yeah, if you bring out emergency questions already i know well they're just we're talking about audiobooks is really all we're doing i would have liked to answer the question Pais- answer the would, question I'd, I'd Jeremy. Like to have heard ian
1: paisley's book, wouldn't you
0: you'd like to hear that let me tell you friend <laughs> i'm not sure it would keep you awake a let lot of these smell books you're to... breath <laughs> you're not allowed to make me laugh actually it's all right i'm coping with the pain um so, in from your book, here's some things I've gleaned that I'm interested in talking about. You uh, shoot squirrels while sitting on your toilet. I want that you pass over that quite quickly, and I would like to. A, I can't understand how that's possible. And well, you're going to why turn around,
1: of course. You turn around, so there's, there's yeah, an not, open I'm window behind you. Not crap, of course, but <laughs> it's just sitting on the loo, and yeah. if it's by the window. You sit sit on the on the loo with the lid down, right? And, and yeah, with an air rifle, you can pop pop off a squirrel or two.
0: Okay, that well, seems unf- a cr- cruel thing to do to the squirrels. Why is it cruel? Well, it kills them, presumably, or maims them. Doesn't do it much good. <laughs> are they annoying you, the squirrels, to, for you to do that? They or are or annoying they just... me.
1: Yes, yeah. they're always getting on the bird feeder. I I mean, I love songbirds and i can't stand the fact that squirrels are always driving them off and that they kill all sorts of things they right. kill trees for example entire trees are killed by squirrels they're a menace okay.
0: so you it's see yourself, yourself up, as sort off. of the judge and executioner of the for their for their squirrel crimes i think so yes they poo on my car that's what they do to me so i'm happy for you to take them out i have to say if you want to come round to mine and shoot them out of the attic you can do That's Uh,
1: very good. Okay, fine. Have you got a loo I can sit on?
0: (laughs) I've got a car. I'm not sure there's one with a good view of where the squirrels are, but we'll find something. I live in the countryside now. We'll find something for you to shoot. It'll be fine. Um, And um, uh, let me ask you a question about uh, the book now. Uh, well, there's loads of like again the John Gilgood story I thought was very interesting. So, as a, as a reporter, you interviewed John Gilgood. There's a lot of things you sort of slightly skirt over, and I would like to know more about John Gilgood. You interviewed him at a theatre. Do you remember this story? And you, I do. Uh, yes,
1: yes. It was at the Old Vic.
0: Yeah, and uh, he arrived and he was in his nineties or whatever. he was very old. It was, old. It was towards
1: life. the end of his life. Yeah, and um, he or he is still he's he's dead, isn't he? I
0: I think he's dead. Yeah. I think he's
1: dead. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And he arrived and and he was. I helped him up onto the stage and we got onto the stage and he said, um, What's happened here? You've gone off.
0: There's a J. It's all right. We can carry it as long as the audio works. It does.
1: Oh, I see. Very good. Well, I've got a message from Vodafone that I have to give them some money. (laughs) (laughs) God, it's annoying. Um, I can still hear you. So let's carry on. Okay, uh, right, fine. We'll carry on. No, I helped him up onto the stage, and when we got onto the stage, he said, "I wonder if there's a lavatory nearby." And uh, I then suddenly thought, "Christ, I've just helped him up onto the stage. There's going to be no loo." And then I thought there must be one in one of the dressing rooms. So we went into the dressing room, and he said, "Um, "I wonder if you could assist me." And um, I got the very strong impression I wasn't the first man to have held his cock.
0: <laughs> he then well, i would tell you, so do you think it was, did you feel it was a subterfuge on behalf of uh, Sir John Gielgud? To...
1: No, it wasn't. It was. He was just, I think he just wanted to
0: pee. Yeah. But then did the driver on the way home, he, he said that he had to stop six times for him. So it uh, makes sense. So he it said, it, said, what did you give you that
1: feel... John Gielgud to drink? He said, I had, to, I had to keep stopping on the M40 for him. <laughs> And um, I said, well, he just had a glass of water. But poor chap, you know, when you when you get old, you need to pee quite a lot.
0: Yeah. But you don't usually ask someone to hold it for you. I mean, I think it's... it's There, you're back. Look, you're back. I am back, yes.
1: <laughs> I pressed OK.
0: <laughs> there we go. It was as simple as that. Yeah. If you, you put 50p in the meter, the internet meter to keep it going. Um and well there's a i i generally think it's a it's a really good autobiography because you we we get opinions we get well you know because also i for a lot of people um uh, they're mainly aware of you from newsnight so there's this whole career before newsnight of of, of travelling the world and getting shot at and going to trouble spots but then also working on uh, local tv and stuff so um what was the closest you say I mean like a lot of it's a it's a very dangerous occupation the the sort of war reporting and going to trouble it's spots. very
1: dangerous, but I don't tell war stories because I just think it i it just switches the focus from whatever's happening wherever you are to me me me, and that's the <laughs> besetting that's the besetting problem with television it's full of vainglorious fools who want to be on telly instead of just letting the story tell itself?
0: Sure. Um, you do tell the stories in the book, though. So, you know, I, I, I would recommend it. There's some interesting stuff. So, I mean, there was... there That's was, good. Recommended,
1: recommended was like, by a man with an yeah. impenetrable podcast.
0: <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, there was... You don't know, so because we've... I know I'd forgotten that you were involved in in the early breakfast television, and uh, you'd obviously worked in uh, local TV in Brighton and in London as well. Which I wasn't I wasn't living in London at that time, so I wouldn't have seen London Plus. Uh, which sounds like I didn't necessarily miss a great deal. It, didn't, it was known oh. as
1: Sod Off Kent, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but. Uh, th- th- was that was that because that's a time when you know you you are critical of people uh, for wanting to just be on TV for the sake of being on TV, but some of those early jobs are not. Uh, I mean, some of them were very journalistically sound, obviously. And then something like working on the breakfast TV is a bit more of a celebrity job, isn't it, than a than a news job, maybe? Well, it was it company.
1: was less that in those days, but right. um, yeah, I can see
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> So, as a young as a young man, you sort of did understand that part of it, and, and you know, you obviously have to take work, and you obviously have to go where the work is. But, yeah, uh,
1: and you've got to learn that you've got to learn the job, haven't you, Richard? You do. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got to keep going, and if you do it long enough, eventually you'll get better at it.
0: We'll see. Ya. This is the uh, 319th episode, so. There've been three hundred and nineteen
1: yeah. of these,
0: something like that, yeah. And then uh, there's more than that, really. I've done it a lot. Uh, it's you know, there's to look. It's like Les Dawson to uh, playing the piano to look this incompetent. It takes a lot of skill. It's lot of <laughs> lot of skill. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. That's, that's how. That's how. That's I'll. Uh, I'll. You'll uh, make mistakes. You know. I'll, I'll lull you into false sense of security. It'll be fine. Uh, but you are, in the book, you're quite quite rude about news. You don't think newsreaders are, 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 you don't have much time for newsreaders.
1: I think newsreading is an occupation for an articulated suit, that's all. I can't see any point in, <laughs> in, in, in reading the news at all. Reading aloud. Do you remember reading aloud at school? <laughs> that's what it is. I don't think it has any,
0: any grandeur
1: or skill or anything to it. Yeah, Just any, any can fool can do it.
0: I mean, but that's true of a lot of jobs on TV, isn't it? A lot of jobs on TV are just sort of... Probably true of a
1: lot of jobs full stop.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. But, it's, but it is, I mean, I'm fascinated by that, the way that sort of fame, uh, you know, you become famous for certain things. I mean, I sort of think, you know, actors are sort of now the new nobility almost. And you sort of think, when when you think what an actor does as a job, it's it's fine, but it's not the most important job in the world. And yet they're treated as like you It's know, completely unimportant. Yeah.
1: Reading somebody else's lines. I um, mean it's you know what 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 an evanescently pointless thing to do.
0: It you know, it's entertaining, but I, what I don't understand is why those people then become you know, get into the position where they can uh I mean some of them do become royalty uh yeah. <laughs> and then can treat people uh, badly, possibly, but um, uh, and I was I was very I, I like honestly about the BBC because you clearly sort of love the BBC as well as having a, a Jeremy Paxman uh, style copyright style disdain for a lot of it. But I, I um, think you
1: I think you have to decide would the world be a better place if the BBC didn't exist? And I come down on the side of saying no, the world would not be a better place if the BBC didn't exist. But it is an immensely frustrating organisation. It's full of it's full of you know boring people doing dull jobs and and pretending they're important. Whereas its true mission is just to make interesting
0: programmes. Sure, but it's it's sort of I mean because it's been going for such a long time, and I think, again, you were there, so you've been there since the eighties. Uh, maybe a little bit earlier there, since so, 1922 but, whenever it was whenever it was but 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 it's sort of you're you, you sort of a stand a stride the old days and the new days so you've you a I think you look back and uh on the old days and with you know thinking things were better in a lot of ways but also that for example the uh the story you tell about um what what happens in the event of a royal death and all the kind of Incredible stuff that you were supposed to go through, that I don't think anyone ever did go through it. It's sort of unbelievable.
1: That's right, it was absolutely absurd because it, the, the organization was caught in this trap between recognizing a news story and acting as mourner in chief. And they got into a real muddle about it. So, you know, there were all these instructions issued about how you had to have a black tie and a grey suit and a white shirt and these were all kept in a cupboard upstairs and when the when the news came in that a member of the royal family had died you were to continue acting perfectly normally discussing the common agricultural policy or some rubbish Uh, and then to race quickly out of the studio run down the corridor press the button for the seventh floor get in the lift, get out of the seventh floor, run down the corridor, get into the uh, wardrobe, take out your jacket and tie and shirt, put them on, run back to the studio, and then say it is with deep regret the BBC announces the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. And, of course, we were all rehearsing for the death of the Queen Mother when, um, you know, Diana was killed. Sure, and that was, and then that was all caught on the hop. And Peter sisson has got a terrible amount of flack for announcing it while wearing a burgundy tie. Right, which was just mean,
0: ridiculous. A, why wasn't the wardrobe night next door to the studio? Why did they put the wardrobe so far away?
1: Well, because um, because they, these decisions are not made by people <laughs> who actually make programmes.
0: But the idea of having to, you know, to change, to deliver a a piece of news is really important. And the BBC wanting to be the first to get in there, but then deliberately sort of scuffering them. So that would have taken surely 10 or 15 minutes for that to... to, If you'd done... Did anyone ever do it?
1: It did did probably take about 10 minutes. Well, I lost my white shirt, unfortunately, because Robin Cook came in for a discussion about the European Union. And... um, we had, we had quite a distinguished cast. There were about a dozen people there, uh, including the Prime Minister of Latvia, the Foreign Minister of Slovakia, and various others. I've no idea who these people are. And nor did we have any idea of what their national flags were. So the, the Prime Minister of Slovakia, or Foreign Minister of Slovakia, or whatever he was, sit down, sat down and said, why am I sitting under the flag of Slovenia? And he said, <laughs> sorry, it's purely symbolic. And Robin Cook came in and sat down. He was, the, he was the Labour Foreign Affairs... Maybe he was Foreign Secretary at the time, I can't remember. Um, and uh, he sat down and the bloke who was putting the microphone on him knocked the cup of styrofoam cup of coffee he had all over his shirt. Robin Cook went absolutely bonkers and said, I can't go on air wearing this coffee-stained shirt. And so I said, "Well, you can have mine." So I gave him mine, uh, which and I wore the. Uh, actually, I think I gave him the the, the, Di, the Diana suit or the Queen Mother suit, and I never got it back from him. <laughs> Terrible thing!
0: Uh, you're the same. You're not this. You, I mean, I, I don't know how big Robin Cook was, but you're a bigger man than Robin Cook, aren't you? You must have been.
1: I am, but that's that's a good. If it had been too small for him, that would have been a problem, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know. Just like him being swamped, sitting like a, I was sort of. It's because of the spitting image puppet, I guess. I imagine him being like a little tiny gnome sitting in your giant's, your Gandalf costume. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's <laughs> um, like you in your pants. Yeah. Well, you, you could. You, you, you I, I could be sitting in my pants. Well, you could all be sitting in our pants. That's the. That's the beauty of. Uh,
1: I am sitting in my pants.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear it. Um, and again, then I didn't know this. There's a lot of stories I don't know about you. Oh, let's talk, as we're talking about pants, let's talk about pants. I did remember this when it, when it, when I got to it, but I'd forgotten about it. That you became a sort of uh, a crusader for men's underwear and uh, and and affected the shares of MS by criticizing MS underwear as being as falling apart too easily.
1: Yeah, this was, this was very unfair. I mean, I've I've got a solution to this. And all underwear should be sold with a sell by or best before date on it do you know how old your pants are that you're wearing now
0: i don't well it's interesting because the same thing happened to me but then i wonder if it's partly to do with my i all the pants i have poor i get paul smith pants which is a terrible uh expensive way to get your pants and they all started going through in the exact same spot and like for about two weeks, I just had to throw away pants after pants. That they all started splitting the same bit. But now I'm wondering if it was to do with my heavy ball that I've just had taken out was was rubbing against them, and that might explain it. But uh, yeah, they, I, I there are certainly pants there that uh, uh, I've definitely got pants in my drawer that are, are older than my marriage, which is uh, nine years. Yeah,
1: that's very bad. Yeah, and if you ask anyone how old are the pants you're wearing today, they can never tell you, and. The thing is that, like everything, they, they wear out.
0: Yes, and if so they that wear was what out, the, at, having brought them to its knees, that's I, what you realised it wasn't really their fault.
1: I, I don't think it was their
0: fault, really. No,
1: I mean any kind. If you wear they, Calvin Klein, Paul Smith, anything, they all go in the end.
0: Yeah, it's true, but uh, you know, you made a big fuss about it. I didn't you make a big fuss to... about
1: it. I sent a private <laughs> note to Stuart Rose saying I've always been a fan of Marks and Sparks, and some twat published this.
0: Right. Well, it's in what pants do you wear? Do you wear MS now, or have you moved, moved on from M&S?
1: Sometimes I wear MS ones. I might be yeah. wearing MS ones today, in fact. Right. I've okay. certainly forgiven them. It was very, very unfair that the way they were held up to public ridicule.
0: <laughs> but then they took they took you out for lunch and sort of got their revenge by making you they did. touch a, touch
1: there a was, man's
0: pants. Oh, it's very funny.
1: It Stuart Rose <laughs> invited me to lunch, and we there there was a knock on the door, and through it came this man, this Dutch male model, uh, who said. Or rather, Stuart Rose said to him, Hello, Remco. Now, those pants you're wearing, are they they self-supporting? And they were self-supporting. And then the key thing is, apparently, in men's pants, it's do they have access? Access means do they have a hole in the front for you to to have a pee? Yeah. Uh, And some of these thongy sorts of things he wore did not have access but it was very embarrassing because he kept saying things like he was, he was having a really good time <laughs> Stuart Rose who was the boss of MS at the time he said um do feel free to feel them now I don't know about you but I've never felt another man's pants while he's wearing them But well,
0: a John so, could you have uh, uh, no not exactly no <laughs> i have i don't think i I have no but you know it sounds like he was a good looking young gentleman so i'd have had a little feel would you yeah definitely it sort of crosses a boundary i mean if
1: it were Bethany hughes as i heard on your podcast (laughs) in her suspenders i'd think differently about it (laughs)
0: let's not get on to that um uh, why on earth not? I, I, I used to I used to not understand the no access pants. Same we're on pants, Jeremy, but now I do. I thought how because I you know you have to pull them pull them down like a child does. But I now my now I have that now I have all my pants uh, have you have to pull them down to be, to go to the toilet. Might be what might be why my testicles have gone awry. You there have to pull your pants air, down air, to air, go to the loo. You have to put well. If there's no hole, you have to just pull down the front to go to. Like, do you remember when you were at school and you were yeah, five yeah, years yeah. old? Yeah, yeah, Do you remember how you could wee all the way up the wall, Jeremy? Can you remember how high you could wee when you were? Five?
1: Oh, you happy move. days, eh?
0: <laughs> Did you ever try and wee? We used to try and wee over the the wall in the primary school because there was like a yes. wall you could get it over the top. Can't do that anymore. But yeah, you just pull down, <laughs> pull down your pants. It's going well isn't it. It's going well. Uh, and um, well, so did you ever get to, to the bottom evening. of why? I was very interested in um, the story about the the mysterious package you received uh, that turned out to be um, a stolen Enigma machine. Enigma machine that someone had stolen. Did I ever get
1: to the bottom of it? No, I think. Did you ever they, get to the bottom of why they sent it to you? Well, I think they just were reasonably confident that if it if it did come to me, although there was some buffoon in the management at the BBC who said, of course there's a news blackout on this, we can't publicise it at all I think if they I think they thought if they sent it to me I would at least say that I had received <laughs> this thing and, yeah. could, and that the thief could then prove that it existed because it had a key thing missing from a key element one of the rotors okay. was missing and uh, so I think that's what it was, I'm not right. sure
0: Because I'd have kept it if that, so you're you're quite honourable in, in in throughout. In and it wasn't mine to
1: keep. Someone had stolen it.
0: Yeah, but they they don't. No one would know you had it. It'd been lying in the office for two weeks already. You hadn't even opened the the package. So that is worked. true. Um, and so you could have got to, you could you the Dalai Lama gave you a toffee. You wouldn't. You were trying to turn that down because you were too principled to take a toffee. Yeah, and I did, I turned
1: down a case of whiskey once from the Arab League. Wow. Yeah, I mean that was that was pretty tempting. I can tell you, <laughs> but I, I mean when they sent me Shergar, for example, <laughs> didn't I to begin to smell after a bit?
0: <laughs> could have your own little museum of all these people. It's it's a it's an odd thing to, to receive. It's uh, the, the seed of stolen G.
1: goods. Yes.
0: Yeah, but. Uh... Okay, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to go to some emergency questions. People are very excited about the emergency questions I'm going to ask you. And uh, so I'm going to have to do a few and we'll see how they go. And then we'll go back to your uh, podcast. And you, but time's flying by. Um, if, would you rather, Jeremy Paxman, it's an important question. Would you rather have a hand made out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? A hand made out of ham or... It's a, a simple question, Mr. Paxman. Would you rather have a hand made out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? Answer the question. I'd rather have a, uh,
1: an armpit that dispenses sun cream. Okay, good. Thank you for answering the question. <laughs> Can you get um, these have, bloody stupid things from?
0: Well, as you say in your book, it's sometimes it's good to disarm people with uh, a question they haven't been asked before and then find out. Where it goes, but I thought it'd be funny. Well, if you I've honestly to never
1: that. been asked that.
0: Yeah, that's what I, that's that's you know. And then we get some new stories. Have you ever seen a ghost, Jeremy Paxman?
1: I don't, I don't believe in ghosts, but I think no. I, I think I felt one once <laughs> when I was staying in a house in Ireland, yeah. and I felt this very cold presence when I walked down the stairs in the middle of the night. I felt this very cold presence brush past me, mm. and I thought that must have been a ghost.
0: Or, you know, some wind. Or a bit of wind, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Catching can or, cause you a lot of trouble. Or just a cold bit in the house. Could be that. Yeah. Could be. What do you think happens? Uh, you were asking, uh, I was listening to your podcast where you were talking to Michael Palin and being a bit rude to him, but he he took it well. Um, I wasn't And rude you asked him, him. You were saying, when are you going to start? You're too old to go around the world, you were saying to him. You were being very cheeky to him. It was with love, but... Uh, you uh, say you are not going to be going around the world when you're 96 he might do he's a good he's a good man um he's a good man you I asked like him, him about what yeah he is a good man what's your um, point we well, you can agree on that well, you were you asking him about what he thought happened when he died what do you think what do you think happens when you die jeremy have you got any you, any thoughts about what's coming next
1: i i don't it's know i wish I, it would be very interesting to know if there was something coming next but um, I think when I die, my body will rot. I think that's mm. all that. I mean, I'm, I'm with Bertrand Russell on that.
0: Yeah, I, well, I agree. I think like having, it's interesting going under anaesthetic and the way you just sort of turn off and then you get turned back on again, don't you, with the anaesthetic. But basically you're sort of gone and it's, you're just gone. And I assume that's what death's got to be like. I otherwise... suppose so,
1: yeah. Although you don't wake up with a bit less of your body.
0: <laughs> well you wake, wake up with you don't wake up at all and all of your body's gone if you wake up and you're, they're burning you yeah i'm glad i was glad to have the anesthetic they offered me um like a spinal local anesthetic for it and i couldn't think of anything worse than watching having your balls be cut off wa- no.
1: pardon watching your balls be cut off no I yeah i mean
0: would it, i would I, I i look away if they're putting needles in my arm you know i, I can take it but I, I don't like to look at it so the idea of even just being—I—I can't, I can't imagine that you would the, the psychological damage of sort of even being aware, awake, even if you're looking away, you know, you know what's going on. It was just so wonderful to be able to, you know, they didn't even count backwards. I was just out, and then I was awake again, and then it was, and everything was over. So I was very impressed with it. Very, very good. The NHS is very good, aren't they, Jeremy? Do you like, do they they like are the great. NHS? I like,
1: I like the NHS. Yeah. Yeah. I think good. it's great, and I'm rather proud of it.
0: Yeah. Well, they've done. You know, that's you were saying you'd had an accident, and, they, and they'd saw you very quickly recently. Before we got into the uh, podcast, and you know, just with everything that's going on at the moment, for them to be, you know, they were so cheer. Nearly everyone, I'd say, ninety five percent of people, just so cheerful, and 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 professionally cheerful. Yeah, <laughs> they wonderful. Yeah, so it was it was very good. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care but um right well let's talk about the podcast so th- th- it's been going for a little while and it was sort of obviously conceived pre-lockdown but you've managed to keep it going through lockdown because the idea is uh that you go to a, a pub and chat with someone you want to chat to rather than someone that has been put in front yeah, of yeah i just
1: TV. was sick of having to interview people about politics night after night after night and you know those things there are there an immediate tussle to establish the terms of engagement and so you start and you've got to you've got to get them on the back foot pretty early on sometimes you can do that by attacking them from the left when they're expecting an attack from the right sometimes humor can help all sorts of possibilities but i just thought it was rather pointless in the end it was a dialogue of the deaf and so I just thought it would be nice to talk to people who you really wanted to meet, who had things to say, and to do it over a pint, too, would be jolly nice, too. And then, (laughs) So we got about three, I think, three of these conversations over a pint under our belt, and then we had to carry on doing it remotely over this ridiculous thing that you've got here.
0: (laughs) Well, given you're doing it remotely, you don't seem to have mastered the technology at all, which is 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 good to see so congratulations on that and but i found it you No, know, i i like what i love about my podcast is it's in front of an audience usually and it's live and you're with the person but i have found doing them online interesting in a different way have you, have you found it still works as a i don't a find it at person?
1: all interesting i find it really frustrating
0: <laughs>
1: what is your like.
0: what, is, what is your point <laughs> I well I think there's different things about it. I like your podcast because the intro is just loads of you saying oh this has gone wrong. What's going on? I can't I can't remember what's happening here. What's it's it's turned off. Uh so that's good fun, but I know I think there's a there's there's a sort of intimacy to an online conversation as well. I've I've found them you know this has been like my for me this has been like my little social uh social life is on a Wednesday I'll talk to somebody for an hour and you then I'll go back to them. looking after my kids.
1: You are a really sad man, Richard. I am, I am. So this is your social life.
0: Yeah, but I don't I don't I'm not that bothered about going out anymore. I've got two young kids and it's you know, I'd rather just sleep if I can get the chance. But it's but it there's there's a sort of sleep, different energy. It? If you're doing something in front of an audience, which is what I usually do, then obviously people play up to the audience a little bit, which can be good. But um I think off, doing it online you can sort of forget that it's this is real sometimes you can forget that it's going out sometimes and so i think you can get into quite interesting you can forget this is
1: going out
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's going out live are both your listeners tuned in we've got actually 347 people watching at the moment which is pretty high for 347
1: uh, yeah that's very good
0: how do you know know, so
1: precisely they sorry how do you know so precisely
0: because there's a little counter there. It's actually not... that It's 377. The people at home have got a better counter than me. So it's nearly 400 people. That's that's very good for for live. And then tens of thousands of people will... Well, hundreds of thousands of people will listen to the podcast. And tens of thousands of people might watch the podcast on YouTube. They'll have a great time with this one. They will. <laughs> they will. This is one made for video. Um, but... Uh, you know, this has happened. I've been doing podcasting for like 12, 13 years or something like that. Have you? I've only just that, started. I'm a
1: novice. Give me some I tips. I well,
0: All you TV people coming in and getting it in my patch. All
1: right. Give me some tips then, mister. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was going to get you to give me some tips. Well, you, you know, you, you don't need any tips. It is exactly that. It's the conversation. It's trying to, it's trying to find a, an interesting way into talking about something that people haven't talked about, I think, isn't it? I don't know uh, about much. you,
1: but it seems to me that the great pre-requirement for our job is to be curious. Sure. And if you're not interested, if you don't naturally ask, why is it like that? That reminds me of such and such. If you don't naturally think that, then you're in the wrong job. Yeah. I'm just, I, I find people endlessly fascinating, and I, I, I love talking to them
0: well it's nice as well and this is what i like about it. well a the podcast as i think you've discussed you you know you're in control of it you're deci- but also you're deciding who the guests are and booking the guests can be a pain in the arse and i appreciate the good work bookers can do but also you're getting people that you actually want rather than someone saying oh you know uh, that you're interested in and pretty much everybody i've ever had on is someone that i've I'm at least i, I want to talk to them because i'm interested in this or 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 that but um yeah, so, you know, that, that element of it, the element where obviously you're not getting paid a million pounds a year to present this podcast, presumably, Jeremy, is uh No, I'm not, not getting paid anything. No.
1: You just do it out of interest, don't
0: you? Yeah. Uh, well, I did, to begin with. I'm starting to get paid for it now after 14 years, but it's, um, yeah. But also, I just think it's yeah, it's a good way of getting stuff out. I'd rather the things existed. For me, it was just, it was the same frustration. I think being a comedian and being a journalist have a lot lot of uh, similarities. And, and, you know, I was frustrated with uh, having to try, having to jump through hoops to get stuff onto TV and radio and just the ease of being able to go, okay, well, I've got an idea. And I think, you know, you get to a point, don't you, when you think, I know more about what makes good TV or radio than someone who's 30 years younger than me who's just started a job, who's deciding what goes in. So, you know, I think it's nice to be able to prove that and be able to come and do God, that you're
1: sounding like a real old fart.
0: <laughs> well, I'm 53. three. I, I find it hard to believe, Jeremy, but are you, you, are you now 70? I am 70, yes. 70 Very, years old. very
1: old. Very
0: old. I <laughs> well, might I not I get off to seventy. Any moment. You could, but you could also go on for to, to you could be doing a wee with someone holding your penis in a the theatre in twenty three years. So, well, oh, that's still, that, that's this, an aspiration devoutly to be wished for. There's something to look forward to, but um, yeah, it's uh, well, you know, but it's I think it's it's i, I like getting old. i want to get old Um, this this uh, recent emergency has made me think about not getting old and then suddenly you go oh you know i was quite looking forward to getting old so i hope that happens i'm confident well, you
1: know what i think is great about getting older go on what you don't have to give a monkeys <laughs> you don't have to care what people think about you you don't have to worry about being you know polite you just have to be yourself
0: did you ever worry about that <laughs> Jeremy? Were you ever worried about being polite? I think I was, actually.
1: <laughs> I still say please and thank you, of course. But um I don't I think it's just great not to have to care about what people think.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's you're the saying, sort of that's the I disease am. of the young person is that. I mean, it's, and for me, I was I was so self conscious and so worried about doing the right thing that it absolutely stultifies you, and you know, you don't do anything because you're too scared of how what people will think. And so, it is wonderful to leave that behind and know, yeah, I'm just going to crack on and see what happens. Um, well, even as a I- comedian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think on stage was where the only place I could sort of slightly do it. But even so, you were still self, you know, you're worried about, you know, not getting any more work, doing it wrong, not being good. So it was very hard to enjoy it in the early days in the way I do now. But um, but in socially speaking, I was I was very uh, awkward and socially insecure as a in, right through my 20s and 30s. Really, it was really only was about 35. I sort of started. Sort of getting over all of that, thinking what? Why am I wasting my time? You know, when the thing is, like, you worry about the, that. Worry about what people will think, and the the, the truth is, they're probably not going to think anything. I don't really. No one really cares that much. So it doesn't. Unless you're doing something absolutely terrible, it's going to get forgotten anyway. So it's. Tell me, but, do you, you know.
1: call this? Do you call this comedy?
0: This show, yeah. I do. I think this is. I think this is. Um, Spontaneous uh, chat, and I think it usually is pretty funny. Yeah, so you're being very funny, Jeremy, and uh, and it's it's sort of. A, well, I think we'll let the whilst, audience judge that. We'll let them decide. But whilst we're, I, I can ch- talk about you. You're being funny, and I think it's sort of it's sort of uh, not quite a pastiche of an interview show, but it's uh, I'm I'm breaking the rules of interview an interview show, so I'm doing it in a comedic way, but. Also I love this show because it'll usually usually at about the 45 minute point where we are now then we'll suddenly talk about something serious anyway because it just even if you've got a comedian who's being funny and funny and funny you'll get into some interesting discussion about something because that's the way conversations work. So I think that long being it long form it gives you the it gives you the freedom to be funny and and I'm starting off trying to be funny but I think it also gives you the freedom to um open people up and that's what this what this is why my one works and I'm sure your one works in the same way and for what I've listened it does doesn't to it does is that you you get people talking and then if you're having a nice time they'll they'll sort of start saying stuff that they relax <laughs> yeah and it's and it's that relaxation that's the fun of it and I think if, if you've if you've got comedy in there that's good and I think you know but your style is still quite comedic you're you're it's the character of Jeremy Paxman which might be the real Jeremy Paxman, but this, you know, this disdainful uh, <laughs> sort of slightly superior uh, character who will Get question everything. You're a little bit snide, but likeable, but it's a funny character. And so you're, you're a comedian as well, I think.
1: But comedy's hard, you know.
0: I, well, you've I, done the Edinburgh Fringe. I know you've done the Edinburgh Fringe. I, I did do the Edinburgh Fringe, and I found it
1: really terrifying. Mm. I found it completely awful. I didn't enjoy it.
0: Well, the Edinburgh Fringe is the least enjoyable <laughs> place to do comedy in lots for lots of ways. I like. I've been a lot, and I do like it a lot. But it's it's a hard place to have a have a good time because of all the various pressures going on. But I think it's always. But it's the same thing. It's the it's the same as anything in that you've just got to uh, you know you've got to sort of believe enough that you just get on with it and and you know I think you I think I would I didn't see that show. I don't think I was in Edinburgh the year you you did your show you um, didn't miss much. <laughs> what? Wait, you had a you had a wheel. I understand. You had a spinning wheel with. I had a big b- a
1: big wheel with uh, with subjects on it, and then yeah. I think the audience could spin the wheel, and I, I can't recall what happened. There. <laughs> I blotted it out. It was too horrible.
0: Did people come and see it? Is that the, did did you get good audiences, or was it? Was oh, that well, the... That was the place was
1: full every night, but it was. Um, I didn't enjoy it. I just felt too nervous, and I'm not naturally a comedian. I'm not naturally a, a performer.
0: I see. I think you are, but I think it's, under, it's understanding what your clown is. I think in terms of, and I uh, guess you know, you're as a comedian, you're a sort of straight comedian, but you're the sword of the straight man. But there's, it's that you know, it's the it's the wink beneath it. You're winking at it, aren't you? When you're when you're doing an interview, you'd sort of. What's interesting, I think, and again from your book, what's interesting is, that as a journalist, you sort of know you've got a good idea of what's going on behind the scenes and what the jour- what the politician usually is not telling you. You know why they're not telling you it, and you know what the truth is, and you know they're not going to tell you. And so that's a sort of little comedy dance of of you trying to weasel something well, that, out of Michael yeah, that, Howard that, or whoever.
1: That is one way of looking at it, but um, <laughs> I found I just found it completely terrifying.
0: Yeah, it is, but it, you know, it's an it's an unusual thing to want to, but so is any sort form of being in public and talking in public. But yeah, it is. Don't you find? Re- I
1: mean, what what happens to your sphincter when you walk on stage?
0: <laughs> it's fine now. I went I, when I was young. When I did the uh, student reviews, I'd go to. I'd have to go to the toilet about four times, like before each show. Um, but now it's. Um, I, I can walk on. If you just said, you, I mean, even now we, we haven't been on stage, for year, uh, if you just said you're on stage now, go on, I would just be able to do it. But it's, it's, um, you know, but it's, it's. you've got to really want to do it and you've got to go through some horrible experiences in order to get there. So any comedian, uh, and some of them claim not to, but I think they're just deluding themselves. You'll have had so many bad early it. on. Yeah. I can't say it's
1: worth it. What's the sati- the satisfaction is hearing people laugh isn't it?
0: Oh, it's great. It's fantastic to people laugh. It's it, well it's a pow- it's a powerful feeling and that's why a lot of comedians turn crazy and get too arrogant I think. Because when you've got a re- you you're in control of a room full of people and when you get it really right you've got them in pain with laughter and you know you've got something funnier coming up. And so that that sort of power I mean, I just, I mean, it's, I feel, my wife says this about me as, you know, and and I think I like on stage, I'm like a different person. And I feel like I'm like properly alive on stage, which I am off stage as well, but it's, I'm I'm not at all like it off stage. And so if I don't perform for a bit, I'm, I become a bit of a nightmare though. I've been a bit better in the last year or two, but also I just, there's something, something turns on that, um, that just really, really enjoys that experience for some reason. Not always. Sometimes it's when it's bad, it's horrible. Yeah. When it goes wrong, it's it's an awful thing. But I love the the risk of it. And that's increasing. That's why I like this doing podcasts because they're, you know, I'll make sure I've done the research, but you don't often, none of the research ends up being in the show. (laughs) Uh, But then you're creating something out of nothing. But also it can go, you know, the stuff I've been doing online over the lockdown, a lot of it's kind of, quite high concept and weird and is a risk but then almost without an audience but as we are now we don't know what the audience are thinking about this and that's quite liberating as well because you just go okay oh, let's, buggers. Like, well you just crack on with so i'm doing a ventriloquist show and the first time i did it which was an improvised ventriloquist show and i've never learned how to do ventriloquism and um I, the first time i did it there was a couple of moments you think oh god this is just weird but, like people like it, and I like it, and it's getting better all the time, and you're finding you're discovering stuff and I think that that's the best way of writing is to do it on stage and that and discovering a a comic discovering something funny on stage that you didn't know was coming is is the best i think' it's, it's just that's that's a a credit. Yeah. but that but that's the same as surely you know you're you're prepped for an interview with a politician or whoever, and then something will occur to you, or you know something falls into your lap or. Or someone doesn't answer in the way you expect them to do, and then you've got to improvise around that. So you're you're doing all the same job. We're doing the same job and the same thing. We it's are, just, uh, and,
1: and I find one of the most frustrating things is listening or watching an interview when the interviewer just goes on to recite the next question on their notepad. Sure, uh, and you, and very often they've already been answered. That 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 question's already been answered, and. I just found myself screaming at the radio or the television. For Christ's sake, he's already answered that.
0: <laughs> but it's it's listening. You've got to listen and be thinking about it's it's a complicated thing, right? So it's it's it. You've it's not got that to,
1: complicated.
0: Well, you've got to listen and know where you're going. It's just next. a conversation. So it, it, it's complicated to the extent of of that, and so if you you've got the main thing is to listen, right? So if you, that that's exactly and it, but I've seen that with when you advise students, they'll come in with a pad and then they'll just go, they'll be shaking and they'll just go, right, and then they'll read the question and yeah, <laughs> they they're clearly not listening and then just read the next question. So it's a weird thing to happen to, for a professional to, for that to happen. Yeah.
1: Poor thing. Anyway, yeah, go on.
0: <laughs> give me an emergency a, question. I'll give you an emergency question just to prove how that works. Um, I'm going to ask you a new one. What this is a new one. What is the most unusual uh, free slash mistaken item you've been sent in an online delivery? I got some despicable me stickers with some jock straps. Have you ever had anything delivered incorrectly? I've never
1: had any jock straps delivered to me or despicable <laughs> me stickers. I'm afraid. Have
0: you ever had anything else wrong though? That you ordered something and something else turned up? Well, there was a little gift. I mean, you've had an Enigma machine. I suppose that's quite I an suppose unusual. I suppose that,
1: yeah, that's quite an unusual one. <laughs> I can't think. I... No, I was just thinking, actually, about the ridiculous emails you get. There was one I just received about a man who chopped his penis off because he was told he had to, too many lustful thoughts and he thought yeah. he was going to enact the biblical injunction to cut, cut off whatever offends you. Right. Um, and, you know, I get lots lots of that sort of rubbish all the time, but I can't terrible this uh, shortage of next of kin in west africa isn't it i mean it's just awful all these people with no known relatives i think we should set up a farm and send people out there to act as their next of kin
0: yeah well you know it's worth worth signing up for you there's a lot of money in it, apparently um do you get you get quite a lot of saucy messages as well or certainly in the book you mentioned a couple of you sort of skirt over a little bit but there's that you're sort of sex sexy. symbol version of uh of you that uh my wife didn't see i said he's a very sexy man my wife said she didn't see it and i said well you're wrong he's very sexy my wife's not interested it. is what i'm saying <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh,
0: that's a stay away matey <laughs> Did you, did you Did you find that happening a lot with the, with with the guests a little bit you talk about a baroness who tells you she's not wearing any knickers and gives you uh hotel details but yes. were, were you were you sort of hit on a lot in the in the news not very
1: year? often unfortunately <laughs> I mean you know do you want to be hit on by John Selwyn Gummer or someone <laughs> at the moment? you know I've got to take it where I can get it <laughs> that's just because you've got one poor <laughs> little. it'll, it'll got, be all right, don't worry. Uh,
0: Okay, no, I, only John Selwyn coming will have me now. I've only got, I haven't got a complete set of genitalia. That's why that, he's he's fine about that. What about you went for lunch with Lady Di, and it turned out to be just you and Lady Di? Was that was that a romantic overture from Lady Di?
1: I don't think it was. I think she was just a bit lonely. Right. I think she she just used to invite people for lunch because she didn't see people. It's rather like us in lockdown, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and did you? You said it was you didn't really have much in common with her, but that, so. You literally got invited to lunch. It was just you and her, and you had to sit there eating. Yeah, yeah, quails or something.
1: Well, I can't remember what it was we ate. I suppose I should remember that, but I do remember yeah. there were two, a couple of very gay butlers who lifted up, uh, went in for synchronized uh, <laughs> lid lifting yeah. on these two plates that we had. But I don't remember what we ate. What was beneath the lid
0: <laughs> is that is that do you you don't seem to be particularly excited by a celebrity and but but you certainly not it seems no. to me
1: the evanescence of nothing I mean who was it was it Frost who said a celebrity is someone who's famous for being famous,
0: yeah maybe yeah. I mean, but so, but so you've met a lot of people who are, you know, are very accomplished. And, I've met a lot of people. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I have. And you get to mix in those circles, and you get, and you sort of get to. It feels like you you want to maintain this outsider uh, image, which is correct, I think. But you still get to go inside and step inside the citadel and see all these people and dine with them, and that's get true. And whisk, that's whiskey, true. I've been very,
1: very fortunate in that respect. Yeah. Very fortunate. And I don't suppose that it would um, automatically happen if I hadn't had the sort of career I've had. But, yeah. you know, it's pointless to take it seriously.
0: <laughs> and you seem to have a lot. You seem in the book, you seem kinder to Boris Johnson than to Tony Blair. For example, you seem to, although you have some good things to say about Tony Blair, you do you do say at one point that he's you you compare him to? Who do you compare him to? Um, you mentioned some people who've who've been disgraced. It might be Jonathan, oh Jeffrey Archer, and Tony Blair get discredited. You called Tony Blair discredited, uh, which is quite a, I think a harsh. He, I think he is a bit discredited, isn't he? I mean.
1: That war in Iraq was a disgrace. Yeah. We were we were led up the garden path on that. It was really shocking. And if you're inclined to believe people who say that they should be believed, then it's perfectly reasonable I think to say I'm very sorry you've let me down.
0: Sure. It was an interesting decision because he, he seemed so, um, everything he did, he seemed so concerned about what the public would think about him until that point, and then yeah. he didn't seem to care about that one thing. And that made me think that either he knew something we didn't know or <laughs> there was he was being, you know, there was something. He had all that power and, and he had all that, that momentum behind him and he could have sort of done anything and he was a bit cautious, I think, he, in the beginning. And then the Iraq war was not cautious and not popular no, it wasn't it wasn't
1: and i suppose one should admire him for that for flying in the face of public opinion but uh i don't no. i'm afraid to say that i think that it was uh, he should have listened to people
0: but boris johnson you may have given his first tv job as well so as well as being you you think he's quite a, a good company at least oh he's amusing company
1: He's an amusing company, but I I did give him his first TV job. He was, was, I think, the Daily Telegraph's person in Brussels. And I just said to the then editor of Newsnight, let's get this bloke in Brussels on. And first, uh, it was about corruption in politics. And um, one of the people who was on with him was, uh, I think it was Gaia Savadio, the Italian journalist. And uh, I said, Guy, do you know Boris?" And she said, "Oh yes, he
0: used to be my son-in-law."
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was very funny.
0: <laughs> so it's your fault, then, basically. You you gave Boris Johnson a TV career and promoted his anti-European European ideas. So everything that's happened comes down to see. To I don't think that's
1: a fault. See, I don't think having anti-European, anti-European Union ideas, which is not the same as anti-European, of course.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think that's that that's a fault.
0: I didn't say it was a fault, although I, I'm you not did. sure I agree with you. But I, uh, uh, I know. Well, well, I know you know did you've, say it was like you, your you did, fault. You did, um, you did. Well, in the book, you talk about doing a program about uh, about about sovereignty uh, and being told that that would cost the. The uh, Remain campaign, 500,000 votes, which was all it took. If their 500,000 votes had gone the other way, uh, then we'd be... People aren't that
1: stupid. I think people can work it out for themselves.
0: Do you think so? I'm not sure. You've got to act on
1: that basis. You've got to act on the basis. You you don't think there are people sitting here watching you, Richard Herring, make cheap points about Brexit,
0: (laughs) and they'd say, oh, well, I'm going to vote differently next time. I don't think that, but I think Jeremy Paxman, they might do. Well, I also I, think it was too. I think it's too complicated an uh, issue for for people who really think about stuff. I think it was. It shouldn't have been. We should never have been asked about it. Whatever, uh, regardless of the truth. We're too stupid, of what's right,
1: are we? It came down to a very simple issue, and if you if you're saying we're too stupid as the people of this country to make a decision, then I say nuts to you, matey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's too complicated an issue to go yes or no on. That's all. I just think it. There was it was there was too much going on. I think your your analysis in the book of why of, of why it happened and and why it went that way is is spot on. I think in that um, I think the the campaign was the Remain campaign wasn't wasn't good enough and, and it was um, and, you know they didn't focus on the right things and it was it was too difficult to sort of you know like you say I think people were goaded into being made to feel stupid and so they they went they they said fuck you
1: i don't so think, they think they were goaded into making making such a sort of apocalyptic decision
0: well a little bit i mean i think it was it, i think that that feeling of being treated uh with disdain by a metropolitan elite i think that i think that uh i think there was a feeling it. of there
1: was there was a feeling of that yes and, you know, when we, when we get down to it, aren't you and I part of that metropolitan elite?
0: I wish I was, but I think you are, yeah. <laughs> I think you are.
1: <laughs> you sit there in your red T-shirt in your <laughs> fake resuscitation room.
0: <laughs> if this was a real resuscitation room, then I think I'd be in, be in the, uh, the elite. Yeah, I mean, we are, you know, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're, both you and I, especially you. Have very charmed and lovely <laughs> lives, and uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, it's well, it's it's interesting stuff. But I'm going to blame you for. Well, uh, oh, I'm going to blame
1: you, Mister Oxford man.
0: <laughs> I worked my way. Up. I didn't go to boarding school. I went to the Kings of Wessex School in Cheddar. Worked my way up, and and I, I was told that the the BBC guys won't employ people who went to Oxford now. So that so it's actually. I can't get any of my stuff on t- on the BBC because they, have- they won't let anyone who went to Oxford, which is fair enough.
1: Maybe that it's not very
0: good. Have you thought it about It might that? be, but that's not what I was told. I think it's fair enough. Bring in some different people. I've done enough. I've done enough rubbish. I think you have. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let you go in a second. Uh, it's good. been very lovely. Very lovely to talk to you. Uh, we haven't we- even talked about University Challenge. Which, no, we uh, haven't. You're the longest-serving quiz host of any programme in the... W- world or in the uk i've no idea <laughs> i read that somewhere that this that which you've been doing that for a, a good long time though right it's, 25 it's,
1: years it's, long time
0: is it yeah my goodness um because i remember well it's interesting that you wouldn't you weren't going to do it because they didn't ask that you thought they hadn't asked bambo gascoigne and then you bumped into bambo gascoigne you said he didn't want to do it so that's why you ended up doing it
1: that's right yes
0: chance meeting with Bamber in, a, in the, the british library <laughs>
1: That's right. You've got a good memory,
0: yeah. Thank you. Yeah, um, uh, he, that's exactly right.
1: They they approached me and said, would you like to do it? And I and I said, well, you should really ask Bamber. it's his show. And then there was a lot of crap about how the zeitgeist had changed. And I said, well, I still think you should give it to him. And I bumped into him in the reading room in the British Library or British Museum as then was and um, said, look, you know, Grenada are thinking of bringing back University challenges. you should get in there. And he said, oh, yes, they asked me about that months ago. <laughs> What's <was> up <absolute laughs> crap about Zeitgeist? <laughs> he asked me about that about months ago. But I, I don't want to do it. It's too much like hard work.
0: Well, there you go. So, and are you finding it hard work or are you, are you still enjoy, I enjoy it? it? I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I like
1: students. You know, I I, 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 you must remember what it was like to be a student.
0: I do. Don't I feel like I still it? am, but time's passed by quickly.
1: It, uh, it does pass very, very fast. It does. Uh, and that's a real old person's observation, of course, <laughs> that, that time passes quickly. But um, I like students. I like the fact that they that they're enthusiastic. I'm amazed by what they know. I'm amazed by what they don't know sometimes. But I know... Well, it's know. still
0: very hard. I mean, I think you say in the book it's harder than... It. People say it's easier than it used to be, but you're claiming but you're it's, it's harder than it used
1: to be. It's much harder than it used to be.
0: But they're very hard. I, I like... I've been asked... I couldn't do it in the end. I was asked to come on the. the You know, the, the one you have where you have people come back and... Uh, do yeah, some the ones—the
1: ones whose vanity is greater than their common
0: sense. <laughs> I think it's too hard. I wasn't like falling over myself. I've done Mastermind and I've done uh, different things, but I think University Challenge is so hard. But the questions
1: are easier on that uh, on that yeah. celeb special.
0: Yeah, they'd have to be because no one would answer any questions. They're very—that's right. It's very. Yeah. Specialized knowledge. Well, it's great. So, that's is that going to carry on forever? Are you are going to be. I don't know. It's the... going to
1: carry on forever, but it's going to carry on for a little while, yeah.
0: <laughs> and the podcast, and is what else is? Is there anything else on the horizon for you? Is there more books?
1: Oh, I love writing books. Yes, although yeah. I say I, I love that. I, I've actually lost four chapters of my latest book uh, today. I
0: don't know where they oh. are.
1: They're somewhere in. Um, they're somewhere in cyberspace. I think
0: oh no that's a disaster when that happens and it still happens however much you back up it still does have four chapters that's quite impressive amount of stuff to lose it is and
1: they're not even consequential chapters <laughs> or sequential they are consequential but they're not sequential but uh, okay. they're um you know i i
0: there we are that happens do you think you're going to find what's the what's the book about? Are you allowed to say, or is it? Uh... Oh
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have any. I don't have any secrets. Um, <laughs> it's about coal. It's about the history of coal oh, yes. mining in Britain. And then the one after that I'm going to do is about the Civil War.
0: Cool. Yeah. And what what has attracted you to coal? Jeremy no Patton? one's no
1: one's done it. It's an amazing story.
0: You think you know all
1: these. Guys going down holes in the ground, risking their lives in order to bring something as common or garden as coal to the surface in order to keep us warm, which is amazing, yeah, and it fueled um, you know it fueled the industrial revolution, it fueled all sorts of mechanical innovations, and it made it, it made it possible for people to read and write.
0: How did it make it from... possible for people to read and write? Because
1: they could sit down in the warm and read a book.
0: Okay, yeah, I see. And they
1: <laughs> and then light. You know, gaslight came from coal.
0: Sure, of course, yeah. Well, I look forward to that. If you manage to not lose the rest, if you're going to read, you're going to do the audio book as well of you that yourself.
1: Yeah, you are a lazy bastard, aren't you?
0: I like the audiobooks. <laughs> I, I like them. I've been lying in bed listening to you talk about yourself for the past week. Saddle. <laughs> you poor man. Uh, it's been it's been terrible. I'm just uh checking out, there was so much to talk to you about. You were in Bridget Jones' film. Look at that, and that was pretty good. Um you've done quite you've done little bits and pieces of acting as well, mainly as Jeremy Paxman. Yep. But uh, that's that's all good. And uh yeah, no. Do you remember when I touched your briefcase with one of my hands in the lift? Do you remember? Oh that? yeah, I, I
1: remember. I remember the hands. It was your right hand, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> it was. Who was the most impressive person when you first went to the BBC and got in a lift? Who was the person that was? You're my. I did. The reason I say that is because we did in Fist of Fun, which was the first TV show I did. That was a joke I did about how impressed I was to see you in the lift. So that's why I'm doing that for the fans. As a joke, I, hope. I see. Well, not as a joke. It was true. But I was also impressed. So, But it was me going, this is brilliant for you. I saw Jeremy Paxman in the lift. Um, who was who was your Jeremy Paxman when you first went to the BBC? Who did you see at the BBC and think, oh, my goodness, I'm at the BBC. And there is Jimmy Savile."
1: <laughs> I once went to the loo with Peter Snow. In, and I was actually at ITN. Right. And he was standing next to me in the urinals. and I thought, God,
0: this is fantastic. <laughs> there you go. That's your it's always with you, it always comes back to being in the toilet and pa- pants, pants, toilets yep, very yeah, 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 yep.
1: It's all I'm um, genitalia obsessed.
0: You are know, it all comes back it's 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 pathetic. That's why that's what boarding school does to it. A to a man i guess i suppose that's have you got anything else to, to say to, uh, look jeremy it's been uh, absolutely lovely to have you on the podcast i'm glad we managed to make it work most of the time and yes. uh, the technically i hope it goes uh, better
1: for you next
0: time no i'm sure i'm it was it was i don't think it could go better this is one of the this is this is in the top 10 it's going to be fine. All 177
1: uh, we... <laughs> viewers will, will join your view of that, I suppose.
0: Well, we'll see. And then, you know, we'll know. We'll let you know. And do listen to Jeremy's podcast if you want to hear, like, short interviews with people in a pub. They're, like, 30 minutes long. It's a pretty good length for a podcast. Not an hour and 15 minutes like this one is. Um, yeah, this is far too long. Out. And the audio book the audiobook and the autobiography book are well worth your time as well. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're back next week with Brian Reagan, I believe. Uh, but this week, give it up for the amazing Jerry Paxman. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah. With me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Jeremy Pakalakadak-Dak-Paxman. The music's by Pess. Thank you very much. I'm indebted to Chris Evans, of course, as always. Not that one. Um, also, to everyone at ACAST, to Ben Walker, and um, everyone at uh, the British Comedy Guide. You know who you are, everyone at YouTube. Thanks, guys. You're doing a great job out there letting us upload videos and stuff. Wow. Um, what else have i got to say uh this is a skype to fuzzle go faster production head to go faster slash badges to become a monthly badger or if you're with amazon prime go to my twitch channel twitch.tv slash rk herring and you can subscribe at no cost yourself and give me three pound fifty every month if you can be bothered to go back every month and resubscribe it's a bit easier to do once you've done it the first time Please give us free money. If you don't want to give it to us, please give someone that free money. If you win Amazon Prime, it costs you nothing. And um, why not buy my book, The Problem with men. Or oh, my book, Emergency Questions, 1001 Conversation Starters for Every Occasion. All right, bye, my fan friends. Goodbye.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.